Welcome back. You're listening to Wellington Access Radio, 783 AM. I'm Laura Kewen. I'm with my co-host, Perrine. And for the second half of our show, we're talking to Wellington Rape Crisis. I wanted to start off this part of the show with a content warning for listeners. In this episode, we'll be acknowledging and discussing the existence of rape and sexual abuse. Our guests have a mission, and they want to create a world that's free from sexual violence and the harm that it causes. Uh, They're on the front line. Wellington Rape Crisis is on the front line of working to prevent sexual violence, and they provide specialist support services to survivors of rape and sexual abuse. In a few days, they're kicking off their annual fundraising appeal, and they're here to talk about about Wellington Rape Crisis, what the organization does, and the problem of sexual violence in New Zealand. We have in the studio with us Hannah and Kyla. Thank you so much for coming in. Kia ora. Thank you for having us. Hi. Hi. So, guys, um, I I want to plug the annual appeal, the fundraising appeal, early and often in this interview. (laughs) Uh, But can we start off by just a quick outline of all the different services that Wellington Rape Crisis offers? Certainly. So we've got um, a community office that is um, welcoming to survivors on Willis Street in Wellington City. Um, And some of the services that we offer are social work services, kind of holding people and looking at all the ways, um, you know, kind of crucial things in their lives have been impacted by the sexual violence that they've experienced. Um, And they often hold people um, and help them work through those sort of wider life issues um, until they're they sort of experience a readiness for counselling. And then we're able to support people and offer counselling service for people as well. Uh, we've also got an uh, a drop-in centre that operates at our office between 9.30 and 4.30 every day of the week where people can just kind of drop in and have a chat about what's happening for them. And often we find that it might not be the survivor themselves that comes to the drop-in centre. It might be their friend or their partner or their parent or their grandparent. So we can absolutely have a chat to those other people in their lives who are concerned and also impacted um, by the survivor's experience of sexual violence. We've also started running an art programme, which is really exciting um, for survivors, which helps with, you know, people are often really isolated when this kind of trauma happens to them. So they can come and meet other survivors, have some chats, have some yummy biscuits and do some art that um, might be part of that therapy towards healing. Um, and yeah, and we do a lot of um, kind of public advocacy and lobbying Um, to try and provide a space for that voice of survivors to be heard, whether that's um, for better policies in their communities or in their schools um, or at a government level as well. Mm. And Mm. it's probably just important to note um, also that we work with just women and gender minorities and um, we don't work with cis men, but Wellington Sexual Abuse Help Foundation do and there's also Mosaic, which is another service for male survivors. Yeah. Cool. So do you want to give the critical details of how... If people want to reach out to you and use those services, they can find you? Um, Yep. So we've got a website, wellingtonrapecrisis.org.nz, which has information. And we do email support. So you can email us at office at wellingtonrapecrisis.org.nz or give us a call on 04-801-8970. Yeah, or just drop in. Yeah. And I was... um, 
impressed to find that the Wellington Rape Crisis website has a button on the homepage that allows you to hide your visit from mm -hmm. your browser history. Yeah. So it, it's all totally confidential and uh, it makes it really easy for people to reach out. Yeah, totally. Absolutely, yeah. Can I ask about what your role is? Or both of you, tell me about your role. Kayla, you can tell us first. Sure. Um, so I'm the agency manager at Wellington Rape Crisis. Yeah. Um, and I do the funding and finance. So I apply for funding and do all the boring behind-the-scenes money crucial stuff. Work. <laughs> so <laughs> crucial work. So crucial. But so boring. No, I'm kidding. Does that make you um, the, the head, the leader of the fundraising appeal that's coming up? Um, no, we actually have – yeah, that's a good thing we should mention. We hire an appeal coordinator. Um, in the past, it's been Tabby Beasley who works for Inside Out now, but she's just – too busy with Inside Out. So we've hired Emma Moon, who did the funding and finance coordinator job before me, and she's doing an awesome job. So yeah, she she just comes in on a contract and does that. And But we all contribute and yeah, help her out. Her, yeah. yeah. Well, hey, that's cool. Uh, that annual fundraising appeal starts on Thursday, the 30th of March, and it runs to the 2nd of April. Uh, what's it for? Uh, why is it important? Ah, yes. Well, annual appeals are really critical part of our wider funding picture. So, um, you know, often people are quite surprised to hear that we're not fully funded by any kind of government or council funds. We probably receive somewhere between 30 to 40 percent of our funding from government. Um, and so it's kind of on us and on our community um, to come up with the other 60% that ensures that we can keep our doors open and offer a service that's constantly evolving and um, responsive to the needs of our local community. Um, annual Appeal, uh, our experience has been really awesome because um, it's a constant reminder and it's really heartening that, you know, Wellington really supports our service and that they really turn out and turn up and, and reach deep into their pockets and um, and are really generous. I think last year we blew some records for ourselves and we raised $46,000. Yeah. Um, and that's significant. Like, that's a social worker um, delivering frontline service. That's that's a that's critical, um, and without that forty six thousand dollars, that would be a real shortfall um, in all of the things that we want to be able to deliver. So, um, yeah, we do it kind of. We go as big as we can for that one week of the year, and we try to get as many people involved as possible um, because we know that it can make the absolute difference to kind of keeping our doors open. Mm. Um, and like I say, Wellington always comes out and shows us heaps of love. And this year we've got over 200 people who have signed up to stand on the street in the rain or hopefully <laughs> the sunshine. We're crossing our fingers for sunshine. But, um, you know, people are extraordinary. They're giving up their lunch break or they've taken half a day off work and they're bringing their kids out and... Um, it's just a massive show of support and the money's really important, but I think in terms of for all of us on the ground, just knowing that we've got such a supportive community who really value our services and acknowledge the reality of the issue means that we can continue to offer that service and kind of feel like, you know, we're all in this together and we're all, um, we're all kind of pitching in where we can. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so uh, wh why do you think people care? I guess because it's just so prevalent. I mean, yeah, rape and sexual abuse are prevalent in our lives and I don't think I know anyone that hasn't been affected by it at some point in their so lives. So you think or... there's a personal element to people feeling like they can make a should make a contribution, can make a contribution? Yeah, I think that's a big part of it, mm. yeah. 
Um, and we were really um, excited and took part in that protest outside Parliament mm. a couple of Mondays ago that some high school students organised. And, like, um, I don't know how many people got down there, but we were certainly there, and it was it was amazing. It was amazing to see... Um, just the support and the diversity of people, young people especially, who turned out to um, get really vocal and to be to stand really strong in, in ensuring that we're working towards um, a world free from sexual violence and that we were going to say no to rape culture. And some of the signs were gold um, <laughs> and those speeches were incredible. And, you know, we've been talking over the past couple of weeks how we were meeting young women and young men who are sort of 14 with a really robust analysis around sexual violence that certainly wasn't present when I was at high school. Mm. Um, And so I think, you know, we get really disheartened when we see some of these incidences come to light and in the media. But the reality is, is that this has always been prevalent. It's just that now we're we're way more, um, we've got a way better response and young people are driving that response. Yeah, I've been so proud of um, what some of those uh, young people have put together. Uh, and uh, the the organizer from um, Wellington East Girls College, yeah. Mia Fayumu, she she's, has a show on Wellington Access awesome. Radio. So oh, cool. shout out to her. Shout awesome. out to Youth Zone and the Feministas. Cool. Uh, I want to come back to that conversation about rape culture and um, what people are talking about in the media but let's um, cover off what kind of events are going on in the fundraising appeal so that people can get out, get involved, see some music, and make a, make a cool donation. Yeah, get ready. This is a list of stuff. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so on Saturday the 1st of April, Ecor Bookshop and People's Coffee are doing a nitro pop-up. So that's at Ecor Bookshop on College Street from 10 to 4. We've got Meow doing a fundraiser gig with um, some poetry from Hira Lindsay Bird, some music from Waterfalls, Draghound, and Mongo Scato, and that's on the 31st of March at 9pm, mm-hmm. oh, sponsored by Garage Project. Sweet Release are doing a cupcake fundraiser on the 30th of March, which is awesome. They are vegetarian and vegan cupcakes. <laughs> yep. And that was a really cool project, actually, just on a side note. They crowdsourced a bunch of slogans to put on the cupcakes and kind of got those from Twitter and talked to us and we said, yep, they sound great. So it's just positive kind of reinforcement. Neat. Yeah, for survivors. Rogue and Vagabond are doing a dollar from every taco sold on Taco Tuesday. And that was today. I love Taco Tuesday. Yeah, well, if you want tacos. I got to get over there. Yeah. Um, there's a once-loved clothing fundraiser on the 1st of April at the Newtown Community Centre. La Boca Loca and Burkita are doing a gold coin raffle fundraiser. We've got two trade-me auctions, a Ico Ico mystery goodie bag and some Thunderpants pre-release set that are lavender-patterned and really pretty. Um, and those links are on our Facebook page. We've also got all of the quiz night proceeds from Moon in Newtown going toward us. Whew, sorry. Um, on the 30th, <laughs> on Thursday, we've got Victoria University Feminist Law Society doing a bake sale at the law faculty. Mm-hmm. And then we've also got Vic UFO doing a bake sale on the Kelvin campus. And Six Barrel Soda Co. are donating a dollar over the weekend for every soda sold. That is a lot of stuff. <laughs> is, is there like a master list somewhere where I can sort of see? Yeah, I think yeah. it's on our Facebook page. Yeah, I've just done a newsletter and I've put it on our Facebook page. Um, and it's just got a 
list of everything. Brilliant. Yeah. So if I go to the Facebook page for Wellington Rape Crisis? Um, it's not called Wellington Rape Crisis because Facebook won't let us have rape in the title. So sure. it just kept getting deleted. So we've got um, a Facebook page called WRC Services for Survivors in Wellington. Or we've got a private group which is called Wellington Rape Crisis. I see. Yeah. Uh, that's good to know. So that's where I can see the list and find out all the things that if I buy them over the weekend, then a little bit of that will go to Wellington Rape Crisis. Yeah. Now, I want to go back to that conversation about rape culture. Your organization's goal is to end sexual violence and the harm that it causes. Yeah. Can you talk about some of the conditions that lead to rape and what needs to change? Big question. Big Sorry. questions, <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I think that there is a really long societal and historical context yeah. that has enabled um, these types of behaviours to thrive in secrecy and in silence. And um, a big part of the solution is not only about providing those really vital services of healing to survivors, but are really rooted in prevention. Um, and so when we talk about prevention, you know, people can talk about, um, they might get that kind of confused sometimes with risk reduction strategies. Mm -hmm. So, you know, things like rape whistles or um, wear running shoes, you know, young women, <laughs> so you can run away fast. Take a, take a self-defense class. Yeah. Totally, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. um, <laughs> exactly. And all of those things, I think we're pragmatic and we're smart and we live in a world where we know that these things might happen to us. So they are in the back of our heads, but those are, those are about risk reduction and they're not about prevention, which is what we're trying to see ultimately is seeing the harm stopped before it even starts. Um, and so some of the ways that, um, this is sort of a different take on your question. I'm sorry, I'm not talking about the elements go that allow it. it. I'm um, talking about what we can do to stop it, I suppose. Sure, go for it. Um, and so prevention is a, is a really big focus of our work in terms of us supporting it. Um, and an interesting kind of little history of the way that we have supported that in Wellington is that three agencies that work with sexual violence um, saw that, you know, they didn't solely want to be the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff. Um, we just can't keep dealing with the harm all the time. We need to stop these behaviours before they start. And those three agencies were Wellington Rape Crisis, Wellington Sexual Abuse Help, and then also... Um, WellStop, which is a service that is for people who perpetrate that harmful behaviour or who have harmful thoughts. So th those three agencies together thought what we need to do is have a focused effort on prevention. And so the Sexual Abuse Prevention Network at that point was created. Um, and they've just recently become an independent charity of their own. They're called SAPIN, Sexual Abuse Prevention, and they really do that work where they're going out into high schools, they're running the ACC-funded Mates and Dates programs. Mm -hmm. They do this amazing training um, with hospitality staff around knowing when behaviours aren't okay, mm -hmm. knowing how to intervene, knowing how to um, do that in a safe way, dealing with disclosures. So that would that be as, as hospitality <coughs> staff being bystanders? Absolutely, mm -hmm. yep. yeah. So that whole, like, ethical bystander model. Yeah. And, um, um, and so they kind of focus on that prevention work and we can do the work of dealing with the harm that it causes. So prevention is a really big part of what needs to happen. And that's what I think those high school students were calling for. They were calling for um, mandatory and 
um, robust education at high schools around consent and around healthy relationships. And not just once or twice, but actually every year that you're in high school, having that looked at again, having a refresher, having those conversations. Um, and so while we, uh, our real focus is working on the survivors of that harm, we also know that there needs to be really good work going into challenging those behaviours um, that have come from that long historical and societal context um, and creating new expectations around how we treat each other and what we expect for ourselves and what we think about consent and how we show respect for other people. Mm-hmm. So prevention's a really key part of that. How far along are we in that in that journey? Are those kind of prevention programs getting to most kids in school, or is, is it still pretty patchy, the coverage? Um, yeah, so I think Sappin runs Mates and Dates mainly with year 9s and 10s, and they've done it in Wellington College, Wellington High School, some girls' schools, Wellington Girls' College, um, Chilton St. James and Hutt Valley High School. So, yeah, they, they're getting there. But, yeah, it's only kind of the early years of high school. Mm. So it would be better if it was kind of all the way through. And it's also, like, important to note that the program does – it is about healthy relationships and it does have a bit about consent. Um, but it's not, you know, super detailed. So it could be kind of built on the consent part a bit more. Yeah. Um, expand on that. It's not super detailed because so it, it's not about sex or what do you? I mean, mean, it's not it's not sex ed, right? So maybe that could be kind of built in there. I don't know. I feel like I've dug myself into a hole now. But yeah, <laughs> you don't have to redesign the yeah. program right now. <laughs> yeah, like it's a, it's a good program. It is so it's good yeah. like foundations wise. Yeah, cool. Uh, and what about how? How useful, in your view, is the conversation about rape culture? And is that a fair way to describe the problems that New Zealand is facing? Yeah, I think that um, people struggle with it because it's a hard word to hear, right? I mean, I think that um, rape is such a taboo anyway, and people are just um, completely turned off by the idea of having to confront the fact that we have a rape culture. Um, And often people will dismiss that immediately um, without really considering or unpacking what we mean by that term. Um, Because it's easy to dismiss because it's such a yucky word and we just don't really want to talk about that stuff. Um, And I think that, you know, ultimately this is about kind of getting educated and unpacking those terms and figuring out what they mean so that then we can um, genuinely engage with them, right? Um, People often dismiss it because they think that we're alluding to the fact that people are running around raping people, Mm. right? And that's not at all what the term talks about. What we're talking about is this whole continuum of behaviours that um, enable and support harmful sexual behaviour for people and that all of those behaviours on that continuum are harmful um, and that they all enable each other. And so on the really low level, that's where we're talking about sign of those jokes or what people are describing as kind of banter. Um, and somewhere in the middle, we might also see those rape myths that are really not useful. So Sure, that victim blaming. Totally, thing. right, which, which are really harmful because what we see with survivors is that, you know, we kind of, we sort of, some survivors will come in finally and say, look, I saw your sign 
and I kind of walked past over the last three weeks kind of thinking, should I go in there or shouldn't I? And, you know, maybe in questioning what happened to them and whether it was their fault. And that actually is a barrier to them accessing help because, mm-hmm. you know, survivors as well kind of sit in that context where they're hearing the rape myths all the time and critiquing their own behaviour and thinking that that means that they're not worthy of, of help as well. Um, and other things along that continuum might be... So we've got kind of jokes and banter and rape myths and um, gendered stereotypes that are super unhelpful as well that support rape culture. And then right up the high end of that continuum, we'll see um, high-level sexual violence and rape. And I think our argument is is that actually those kind of things that we dismiss as lower level are almost the building blocks that allow the higher-level stuff to continue because what it does is it minimises the harm that that causes, it minimises... Um, the experience of victims. It allows us to ignore some of the scary and harmful behaviour that people perpetrate. And so in order for us to kind of address the hard stuff up the top, we actually have to get quite serious and recognise how harmful that behaviour is on the lower end as well. Yeah. And that's something easy that everyone can do, just call out those behaviours if someone makes a rape joke or just call them out. Yeah, that's... that's, um a really good follow-up question is for people who feel helpless in the face of um, something that's so ingrained, what can I do? What's a personal action? Mm. Yeah, well, definitely calling people out. And it is it is that kind of fine line where, you know, if you're, for example, the only woman in a group of men and they're making a rape joke that you might not feel comfortable so it is understandable that kind of there's going to be sticky situations. Mm. So if you don't feel comfortable, then maybe it might not be the right time. But perhaps later you could pull them aside and say, hey, I didn't find that cool. Yeah, I don't know. What else do you think, Kyla? Yeah, I think that um, it does take a lot of courage to stand up to that and, you know, it, it, um People don't want to kind of be like the killjoy or, um, you know, constantly calling people out. That's really exhausting. Um, But I think we're seeing this shift. And I think that we really saw that shift at the protest where actually it's becoming more normal not Mm. to think that that stuff's funny. And it's becoming safer, I suppose, to be able to say to people, actually, that's kind of not okay that you said that. Mm. Um, I think... You know, people, we never, we never, it is courageous because there is always going to be the risk that people don't like the fact that you are standing up and being that voice for other people who have survived this harmful behavior. Um, And there are going to be times where actually that's probably not the time or the place to have that conversation. Um, But people should also feel like um, we certainly get calls from different groups and different people who may have not been able to have that conversation at the time but might call us at the office to say, hey, this this conversation happened at my workplace or this was happening at a party that I was at um, and we can kind of unpack that and talk about what follow-up actions mm. they might want to take with that person or um, give them ways to um, frame a conversation where they can kind of get that view across um, in a way that leaves them feeling safe and maybe also leaves the other person feeling like it's an option for them to change their behaviour as opposed to just be defensive about it. Yeah. Wow. Um, I'm so grateful that there is a service in Wellington where there's support for survivors of rape and sexual assault and their families, and people can reach out if they're 
dealing with something they don't know how to deal with in the workplace and such a wide range of services. Love it. Love your work. <laughs> uh, we're just about running out of time. Um, but thank you very much for coming on B-Side Stories. Thanks for Thanks having for us. Thanks for having us. <laughs> and uh, I'll just uh, end the episode uh, by saying um, how you can get in touch with Wellington Rape Crisis. It is always okay to ask for help if you have an experience of sexual abuse or rape or you want to reach out to Wellington Rape Crisis. They are online at wellingtonrapecrisis.org.nz or 